Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us this afternoon, and I uh, hope the weather is over there almost spring like where you're at. It's not spring like up here in northeast Pennsylvania. How about by you, Jonathan? Is how's spring down there by you? Yeah, it's feeling pretty good now. Um, we're I, I actually think today is maybe in the 80s, but I'm, I'm not really sure. So it's uh, it's warming up. Wait a minute. You're saying in the 80s? Yeah, I think that's the high. I could be wrong. but You're, uh, you're still in Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah, just barely. We're almost in Maryland, but just just barely. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's 79 degrees right now. So. Uh, okay. Oh, you know what? It warmed up to 68. I went and did my walk this morning at uh, 6 o'clock, and it was cold. And I hadn't been out since because it was so cold. Anyway, good to see you, Jonathan. Um we're going to begin the program today without Scott because Scott is not with us today. Uh, he's taking care of business out of area and uh, so we'll miss him and Lord willing we'll see him again next week. So Jonathan we're going to be talking uh, still uh, actually we're going to close out the Beatitudes today but before you start with the, the, the last one I want to read some statistics um, about persecution worldwide there's an organization called Open Doors, which is um, uh, it's a website, opendoorsusa.org. They have a, they keep statistics about pers Christian persecution, and they watch 50 different countries. It's called the World Watch List of uh, countries. There's 50 of them that they watch, and on the 50, 200 and out of those 50, 245 million Christians in the world experience high levels of persecution. Uh, simply for their choice to follow Christ. Uh, one in nine uh, uh, experience high levels of, of, of persecution. In fact, the rise of persecution in those 50 uh, countries, Jonathan, has gone up 14%. Um, uh, and what does it say here? Uh, 4,136 Christians were killed in 2019 in those top 50 countries, uh, 2,625 Christians were detained without trial. They were arrested and they were sentenced and imprisoned. And then you had 1,266 churches or Christian buildings attacked in the top 50 countries. I want to read one more. Um, 11 countries have scored in the extreme level for their persecution of Christians. And what's interesting is five years ago, North Korea was the only country in that level of extreme uh, uh, persecution. So persecution of Christians is on the rise just simply for claiming that you believe in Jesus Christ. Um, you are facing, depending on which country you're in, you're facing um, severe to persecution. We're in the United States. We're fortunate. We're not facing persecution, although we are facing difficult times. Uh, some people are being canceled, quote unquote, by the cancel culture because of maybe you're speaking truth or saying something from the Bible. Um, so we do see a rise uh, in it. And 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 the reason why I brought these statistics up because the very um, the last beatitude. Uh, in Matthew 5, what chapter, uh, what verse that is Matthew 5, Jonathan? Yes, yeah, Matthew 5, verse 10. Um, and this beatitude kind of has a little 
uh, almost like an epilogue after it where it goes and expounds a little bit more. Um, but it starts in verse 10 and it says, Matthew 5, 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And verse 11 goes on to say, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, and so there's a lot to to break down in in that. But Jesus says you're blessed if you're persecuted. Now it's not just any kind of persecution or suffering or things like that. He says if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, Peter expounds on that more. We'll get to First Peter chapter four um, eventually. But first, I just want to kind of look at. <clears throat> how persecution works in three kind of different spheres. One, the persecution of Jesus, and then how that translates into the persecution of the apostles, and then how that should, uh, you know, affect us and where persecution comes at us and how we view that. So one interesting thing, um, when you look at the life of Christ, um, it, you see that Jesus was perfect, uh, he committed no sin. Uh, he wronged no one. He, he lived a perfect, sinless life, didn't deserve the wrath of God, anything like that. And yet he was still constantly slandered and persecuted and attacked mainly by the Jews um, and the Pharisees and those that were in that sect um, of wanting to get rid of him until ultimately he was finally killed. Um, and it was, he didn't deserve it. He wasn't a criminal. He wasn't a sinner. He was just persecuted because they hated him. And Jesus says in John chapter 15, um, that, you know, that makes sense that that would happen in John chapter 15 and verse 18, um, talking to his disciples, <clears throat> he says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. So if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. <clears throat> but all of these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. And so Jesus says, it, it makes sense. Whenever you're living your life as a follower of Christ, we're not of this world. We don't have the same... I guess, uh, morals as this world. We don't have the same goals as this world. Um, the, the trajectory that we're on is totally opposite from this world. And the friction that that will generate will cause people that are on a different trajectory to not appreciate you, to hate you. Um, and that makes sense because that's what they did with Jesus. Um, and that's what they did back in Matthew chapter five and verse 12. Jesus said they persecuted the prophets too, whenever the prophets came. And you remember some different like examples of the prophets that would come to like Israel, Israel, which was supposed to be God's people would often find themselves wrapped up in worldliness and paganism and idolatry and, and Baal worship or whatever. And so God would send them a prophet to tell them, you need to repent. You need to come back to the Lord before the wrath of God comes on you. And prophets like Jeremiah will be thrown in prison or thrown into a pit or, or uh, put in the stocks or uh, some of them even killed because they came and were saying what God wanted them to say. Um, and there are two different kinds of reactions in John 15. What Jesus says in verse 20 of John 15, uh, he says, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So either they'll respond with violence and, and trying to shut that down, or if they kept my word, they will also keep yours or they'll hear 
the 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 godliness and the righteousness and they'll see your light shining and then they'll be changed and penetrated by that um but there's a lot of persecution like what drew started off with there's a bunch of opposition to righteousness and following christ and and being a godly individual uh, in our culture jonathan you were saying at what the end of that verse also says because they did not know him referring to god his father our father his father but god the father and what's interesting is that in those top 50 countries, I didn't list those countries, um, North Korea was still at the top of the list, which is an atheist country. But all those other countries are not atheist countries. China was an is an atheist country. Um, although I, I use that term loose, uh, maybe too loosely. We're talking about religious people doing the persecution in those other countries. And it says for they did not know him. And in Jesus's day, those were religious people who even claimed Jehovah uh, as being their God were persecuting Jesus. So it's interesting. It's not just atheistic countries or atheist people. It, uh, it's, it's religious people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, sure. Because so they didn't know God. Yeah. And, and persecution can come from, from anywhere. And I think that phrase, not knowing God, not knowing him who sent me doesn't necessarily just mean that they didn't believe in God. Right. Um, maybe they, you know, did know who God was, but didn't acknowledge him as Lord and as, as the creator um, and therefore persecute his, his children and his followers and things like that. You have examples of that, like in Israel persecuting the prophets, they were God's chosen people. Yeah, they still persecuted those that were sent to them uh, in order to help correct them. So it happened in Jesus's life and Jesus was persecuted. And and I mean, we could read about the persecution of Jesus, um, which had its pinnacle at the last week of his of his life, whenever the Jews really drove in and attacked him and finally you know arrested him and beat him and spit on him and and then ultimately killed him um and he hadn't done anything to deserve that he'd done no wrong they just persecuted him because he was speaking the truth and they didn't want to hear the truth and jesus warns his apostles like we just read in john 15 since that happened to me the servant is not greater than the master we are christ's servants we're we're god's servants we're just followers of him and so if he was persecuted his followers can expect persecution as well. And that's what we see after Jesus dies and is resurrected and, and he spends that those you know 50 days or 40 days with his apostles and then he ascends into heaven. He tells them to go and wait in Jerusalem in Acts chapter one and they'll receive the Holy Spirit and they get the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two and the church is established and, and Christianity is really growing and growing and growing in the first three chapters of Acts. And then you get to Acts chapter four and the persecution starts attacking the Christians. Um, and the high priest and the Pharisees and those people that attacked Jesus turn their attention to the apostles and they arrest Peter and John and tell them to stop speaking about Jesus, um, which I want to come to Acts chapter four later on before we end it and make one observation there. But I really want to get to the second time that they endure the persecution in Acts chapter five. In Acts chapter five, they're arrested for the second time. And the first time they're just kind of given a warning. They say, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. But in Acts chapter five, <clears throat> in verse 40, uh, yeah, in verse 40, it says, when they had uh, called in, in the apostles, they beat them and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. And so th they get actually physically beaten 
for speaking about Jesus now and continuing to teach people about Jesus. And there are thousands of people who are coming to the Lord in this time. But what I want to notice is their response, because this ties back into Matthew chapter 5. The response of the apostles after they had been beaten for speaking about Jesus in verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is, the, is Jesus or that the Christ is Jesus. They left rejoicing that they were worthy of that beating. That ties into, I think, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, that it's you're blessed if you endure persecution for righteousness sake. Um, and you see that the apostles are rejoicing. So why, why would they be rejoicing? Why would they be happy that they were persecuted, that they were literally beaten um, for that? Well, I think there are a number of different answers, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts uh, on that, Drew, before I start jumping in or anyone in the audience? Why, why is it a blessing? Why would the apostles be happy and rejoicing that they were just beaten for Christ? Well, they said that they were happy because they counted it as being worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. That's yeah. intriguing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and you think about, especially Peter, because Peter's kind of the big guy that I think about. In a two-month period, a two-month span, um, Peter goes from not being worth beating to being worth beating. Um uh, for Jesus. Two months prior to this, or maybe a little bit more, I don't know exactly how much time has passed before yeah, it wasn't long, uh, wasn't Acts long. chapter five, but, but less than a year, I would assume. Um, and he makes this radical transformation because at Jesus's uh, trial, Peter denies the Lord. He doesn't want to be persecuted. He doesn't, he, he's not willing to suffer for Christ. And in fact, when people ask him directly, weren't you with Jesus? He says, I don't even know who that guy is. I, I've never even seen him before. Um, and denying the Lord there. Then less than a year later, he's willing to stand up to the people who had actually killed Jesus and say, I'm not going to stop talking about him. I can't stop speaking about the things that I've seen and heard. And he becomes worth beating. You think about um, that, that phrase, they were worthy of suffering or worth beating. Whenever Satan, um, I think, looks at us, uh, a helpful, um, I think, maybe measuring rod to use for Christians is to think when Satan looks at us, does he look at us as a threat or does he look at us as people that aren't really worth the time? aren't really worth the, the energy of tempting. So for example, you have um, in Revelation chapters two through three, there are seven letters that are written to seven different churches and Jesus uh, writes them and he has, uh, or I guess he has John write them and record them down, send them to, to the seven churches. And each of those churches, there, uh, most of them have some form of persecution that are coming against them, except for one of the churches. So I wanna look in, in Revelation chapter three, Revelation chapter three and verse one, there's the letter to the church at Sardis. And uh, he says, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains is, and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And he goes on and, and keeps uh, encouraging them to repent and come back, but they have a reputation of being alive, yet inwardly they're dead. Interestingly enough, that is the only church that doesn't have some form of persecution against it that's mentioned. Uh, like, for example,
example, the church at Smyrna in verse nine of, of uh, Revelation chapter two, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those that are Jews, but are not of the sin. They are of the synagogue of Satan. So the church at Smyrna, they're being persecuted, but the church at Sardis are not being persecuted. And why not? Because they're not really alive. They're not really following the Lord. Um, and being known by the Lord and being, uh, you know, uh, blessed by the Lord and having our reward being heaven um, is what makes us worthy is following Christ and being able to stand up in the face of persecution. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, your mic's muted, Drew. Yeah, it's hard to talk when my mic is muted. Sorry about that. But uh, Jesse had uh, posted uh, uh, in the comment box, uh, the apostles wanted to obey God, and they knew that it was good to suffer for Christ's sake. And, and that's what I think the point you're making there, they knew the Christians that were willing to suffer for Christ knew that it was willing that they that it was good to suffer because they wanted to obey God and they knew the results of obeying God obedience to God mm -hmm. and Peter and P, and then Jesse followed up he says when Peter and the apostles they answered we must obey God rather than men so regardless of what they were facing and they were told not to continue this kind of preaching mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's far better. Anything that they could have received from man doesn't measure up at all to what they could have received from God. And I think that's where their rejoicing comes in, that they, that they, it was almost kind of like a uh, passing the test for them, that since the world was, uh, you know, accusing them and hating them and persecuting them, that that was a good sign that they were actually following the Lord and that they were going to get their reward. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, um, Jesus will say that there are some people that do things for righteousness sake uh, or do the righteous things like give and help the poor and pray and fast and things like that. But they do that to be seen of men and to get their honor and glory from man. Um, but he says the honor and glory that we need to be receiving and need to be longing for and yearning for is the honor from God and, and the glory that comes from the Lord uh, in doing that. And so when you consider the persecution and all that, that the apostles went through, um, not only in the book of Acts, but also some of the things that are recorded in the letters, um, Paul, the apostle, whenever he uh, is converted to Christianity and starts going around and preaching and teaching, he has some pretty severe opposition to him. And he kind of records uh, just a really quick list of all of that in second Corinthians chapter 11, where second <clears throat> Corinthians 11 in verse 23, he says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one uh, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked a night and the day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. I mean, you read through that list. <coughs> Paul did not have a easy life. Um, if I could strip away for me personally, I could strip away almost everything from that list. And there would just be one thing in there that would be really, really hard for me. And that's being stoned. Once I was stoned, that's what he said in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 11. And that's recorded for us in Acts whenever he goes to Lystra and the Jews chase him down to Lystra or down to Derby. And he's 
stoned there. Um, now being stoned, being beaten wouldn't be fun. I think being stoned would be a whole lot worse. <laughs> um, because when people beat when, when people were beaten, the purpose was not to kill them. When people were stoned, the purpose was to kill them. Um, and so Paul endured for Christ, having people hurl rocks at him until they believed him to be dead. Um, that's pretty severe and pretty intense. But Paul's attitude towards that is just incredible of, of where he's at, because he has this understanding of what Jesus says the blessing is. Being, being persecuted for righteousness sake earns you the kingdom of heaven. And so earlier in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 16, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, <clears throat> our inner self is renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's how Paul viewed that. It was affliction, but it was just temporary. And it was light compared to the eternal weight of glory that was going to be bestowed on them from God. You had um, said, you had said, uh, you made the comment, life wasn't easy for Paul. Well, it was very easy for Saul. He had a great life going as Saul, right? He was a Pharisee. He was, uh, his career was growing leaps and bounds. And then he saw the Lord on that road that changed everything. And so from that high level of having a, a good cushiony type life, he goes down into the pit of persecution. But I like the way you just read it in the verses. He still looked at that as a light momentary affliction because he saw Jesus Christ that changed him. He had the proof of life after death and the Lord is giving him eternal life. And we have that same proof. Paul's, mm -hmm. Paul's experience is proof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you would expect it, it's really kind of almost backwards uh, because you look at some different examples of people in scripture. Um, you would expect like uh, with, with Jesus, for example, Jesus is following the Lord's commands. When he starts his ministry, he goes and he's baptized by the, uh, by John the Baptist. Uh, and that was to fulfill all righteousness. And the very next thing that happens to him is he's taken out into the wilderness and for 40 days he's fasting and being tempted. It's like, Jesus is following God's will. He's doing what God expects him to do. He's fulfilling all righteousness. And then more persecution, more temptation starts coming at him. And that's a pattern that generally happens with a lot of people in the scriptures. Um, Daniel, for example, um, Daniel refuses to defile himself with the king's delicacies. Uh, he, he proves himself to be a really wise man and, and promoted and things like that. And he's serving the Lord and committed to the Lord and not bowing down to the idols of Babylon. And yet, persecution still finds its way to come and find him and attack him. And they, uh, you know, attack his, his devotion to the Lord. Um, the more devoted that we are to God, the point that I'm trying to make is the more devoted we are to God, the more we can expect persecution from the world. Um, but the, the thing that needs to be understood is that in order to be a good servant of God and a good servant of Jesus, we don't have to go out and seek persecution. Um, and there's a specific kind of persecution and suffering that is a blessing to endure and a kind of persecution and suffering that's not a blessing to endure. And Peter kind of breaks that down in 1 Peter chapter 4. So look at, at 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. <clears throat> 
Peter says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to, happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. So we've already talked about all of that. Don't be surprised whenever you get persecuted for following Christ. But he gives a warning here in verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. The suffering and persecution that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5, that is, that is a blessed suffering and persecution to go through, is suffering as a Christian, suffering in the name of Christ, suffering as a, as a righteous person. There are plenty of people that suffer and are persecuted and are attacked and things like that for evil reasons, <laughs> like in Matthew or in First Peter chapter uh, five or four verse fifteen, where he says people suffering as a murderer or as a thief or as an evil doer or a meddler or whatever. That's not the kind of suffering that we want to endure. In fact, it would be fine if we never endured suffering and not seek out suffering at all. But as we live as Christians and shine our lights and, and go against the grain of the world, that suffering will find us because people will be upset with the fact that we're devoted to Christ and, and calling people out and shining Christ's light on their evil works of darkness. Like what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, walking as children of light and exposing the darkness. Um, that's what happens for Christians. Whenever we're living as Christ would have us to live, sin is exposed in the lives of others. And that makes people uncomfortable. And like we said at the very beginning, some people will respond to that favorably and listen, and their hearts will be softened and, and penetrated by the word, uh, and, and they'll change and repent. But some people will lash out and attack and not want to hear that. And that's where the persecution comes from. <clears throat> so when you think about all of that, why uh, one of the big blessings, one of the big blessings of enduring persecution and, and for righteousness sake is because we'll receive the kingdom of heaven. That's obviously the biggest one, but I think there are a few other blessings and good reasons to go through persecution. Uh, and James mentions one of those in James chapter one. Um, you want to read James one verse uh, two through four. Uh, let me unmute that again. Uh, James 1, uh, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Yeah. So James says here, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, persecutions, sufferings, whatever happens to you. Why? because it makes you a stronger, better person. It adds to you endurance, tests, tests your faith and produces steadfastness, and that adds endurance to you, making you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. <clears throat> the strongest people for the Lord will be the ones who have suffered the most for the Lord, I think, and, and endured through that and held on through that. Here's the evidence and the proof of why I think that. The Apostle Paul. <laughs> 
Look at how much Paul suffered and went through in his whole life. Countless imprisonments, countless beatings, all that type of stuff, like what he says in 2 Corinthians 11. And yet, I don't know a person in history that it was as committed to the Lord as the Apostle Paul. Like, man, he would, he would lose everything. In fact, nothing else really mattered to him other than following Jesus. And you wonder why. I think it's because he went through so much and held on through that. And, and knew of the blessings that were going to be there, and it produced a stronger, better person in Paul um, as he continued to strengthen himself through those persecutions and those trials. Just like what James says, the endurance in our lives will, will grow in that. So we're blessed in enduring through persecution because we become stronger, and each persecution will probably become a little bit easier to stand up against. Um, it kind of like uh, it works both ways. If you give in to peer pressure or temptation or whatever, it'll generally become easier to give in to the next peer pressure or the or the next temptation or whatever. But conversely, if you stand up to temptation and you stand up to peer pressure and you stand up to persecution, it will become easier and easier because you'll get stronger and stronger to stand up to that persecution and, and, and stand up for the Lord. It's almost kind of like working out. And, and building our spiritual muscles and becoming the, the Christians that we need to be um, and, and growing and enduring um, through all those different trials and, and tribulations. But there's one more, well, um, I don't know, do you think anything about that, Drew, or any comments or, or from the audience before I move to one more thing? No, go ahead. There's one more big reason why it's important to endure persecution. Um, that, that I see um, from what Jesus says. And that comes from Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, and there might be a lot more reasons. Um, so anyone in the audience, if you have other reasons why persecution and enduring through that is a blessing, um, then, then you can let us know that and we'll be happy to talk about that. But one more that I had is in Matthew chapter 10 <clears throat> in verse 32. Um, Matthew 10 verse 32, Jesus says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever does, whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Um, what it really boils, what it really boils down to, enduring persecution um, as a Christian and suffering as a Christian and enduring um, with righteousness. What it boils down to is who do you want to impress more? Um, do you want to impress the world more, and do you want to be honored more by the world? Or do you want to impress God and be honored by God? Because Jesus makes it very clear here. If you endure and confess and acknowledge and talk about Jesus, regardless of the circumstances, Jesus will acknowledge you before the Father. But if you don't, you'll be denied before the Father. Um, now, right now, temporarily, that's difficult and that's hard. But that's where our perspective needs to change, I think, and into looking at things that are eternal and things that are above and lasting. Like what Paul says, if we view persecution and slander and those attacking us as a light momentary affliction in comparison to the eternal weight of glory um, and, and, and what we want more in our life, then enduring through that persecution will be easier in the sense that we know it's only going to last for a lifetime. And that sounds like a long time, right? It sounds weird. Like, well, it, it can only last for your whole life. Well, your whole life is really nothing in the grand scheme of eternity. And opening our perspective to that and seeing that 
I think is what gave the apostles strength and courage to be able to stand up to the persecution in the first century. It's what gave the prophets strength and courage to be able to stand up to the persecution back in, in the days of, of the kingdom of Israel. And it's what will continue to give us strength and courage now today, whenever more persecution starts ramping up and people start attacking more and more people because they're living their lives in the name of Christ. Um, so in uh, one, one more passage that I have just to talk about, and then uh, if there's any more from, from the audience or any other questions or thoughts you guys have along these lines, one more thing is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, or chapter 6, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. <coughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is discussing what his ministry is like in the gospel and how he had been, uh, you know, blessed to receive comfort from the Lord and blessed to be able to become a minister of this new gospel and this new uh, way that, that leads to life and righteousness. And he starts describing a few different paradoxes of how he's viewed in the world versus the actual reality of what's happening with him in second Corinthians chapter four. And that starts in verse six. Um, or we'll actually start in we'll actually start in verse nine. Wait a minute, you said chapter four. Is it chapter four or chapter six? Yeah, excuse me. Second Corinthians chapter six. Okay. Second Corinthians six and verse eight. He says, We are servants of God through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as imposters and yet true, as unknown and yet well known. As dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. I really, really like that that section there and those different paradoxes that Paul describes of this is how the world will view you and how it views Christ for or how it views Paul for following Christ. He's as one that has nothing, but in reality, he has everything. He has, he has eternal life. Christ has given him that. Um, from the perspective of the world, he's an imposter. But in reality, he's one that's sharing the truth and, and, and showing everyone the true way to live. He's, he's viewed as unknown, and yet he's well-known. Um, if you want to have really high standing in the world and be really popular and really respectable according to worldly perspectives, being a Christian is probably not the best way to do that. You're not going to be really well known. You're not going to be really popular in a lot of circles in the world, but you will be well known by the Lord. And I think that's what Paul means there. And which one matters more to you? Because there's, there's going to be a cost either way. Um, there's, there, there'll be a cost to following Christ, but there will also be a cost to not following Christ. So the cost to not follow Christ will be, you, you might have a great life here, but that's all you're going to get. And for the rest of eternity, you'll be separated from God and from goodness and from, and from comfort and peace. That's the cost of not following Christ. The cost for following Christ is, is pretty high. You're going to be persecuted. You're not going to be accepted by everyone. You might have to break ties with family or with friends or with coworkers or whatever. Um, you might even be killed. Um, that happened in the first century. It could very well happen in, in this world today and happens in certain parts of the world today for following Christ. That's a high price to pay, a high cost to pay. But which, which one do you value more? Which, which, which reward do you value more? Do you value the honor that comes from the world and honor that comes from man and getting a nice life that lasts for maybe a maximum of like 100 years? Or do you value honor that comes from God and enduring through persecution 
and having an eternity of life, although you might have to endure through some afflictions and persecutions here in this world. So that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, because that's what they did to Jesus. That's what they did to the prophets. That's what they did to the apostles. That's what they did to the Christians in the first century. And that's what Christians are enduring through still today, whether that's actual imprisonment and beatings and, and, and murders, or whether that's just slander or, 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 or speaking ill of followers of Christ, both are forms of persecution. But are we willing to endure and suffer through those? for the reward and the blessing of gaining the kingdom of heaven and, and being recognized by Jesus and acknowledged to the Father by Jesus and all those different types of things. You, you had touched on it. Um, you, get, uh, you gave um, credit to what Paul was saying in, I don't know if you said it, you maybe quoted it, but it was in Philippians chapter three because he had a good life, as we mentioned a few minutes ago before becoming a Christian. He had everything really. And in verse seven of Philippians three, he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And that's what you've been talking about. Uh, the worth of knowing Christ uh, Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And that's the key, his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. There's the motivation. Mm -hmm. There's our goal. Mm -hmm. Right. TJ commented and she said that we have to keep alert because the U.S. is becoming more and more anti-God. Mm -hmm. um, so for our kids and our grandkids and, and, and beyond, we have to set a good example of standing up to the minor persecutions if they have to stand up for major persecutions. I think that's right. The direction that the world is going in, like what we started with, is becoming more and more anti-God. And if we can't stand up to the light momentary afflictions, literally light momentary afflictions, like way less than what Paul went through, if we can't stand up to that, how can we expect our children or our grandchildren to stand up to more severe persecutions that will start coming? Um, and so that ties into one last thing that, that I want to bring up in Acts chapter four. Uh, I mentioned this really quickly uh, at the beginning. But I want to just read through this really quickly and then and then pose a hypothetical situation <clears throat> in Matthew or in Acts chapter four, the apostles are persecuted for the very first time after Jesus has has ascended into heaven and they're arrested and they're thrown in prison and then they're interrogated and, and they're asked, you know, why are you doing these things? Why are you speaking in the name of Jesus? Who gives you the right? And Peter very clearly says um, that it's Jesus. He's the Lord. There's no other person uh, uh, whose name uh, through which we can receive salvation in Acts 4 and verse 12. <clears throat> and they see the boldness of Peter and John in verse 13. But they, they talk amongst themselves. And in verse 18, they call them back and they charge them. This is Acts 4 verse 18. They called them and they charged them not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. So what's happening here, painting the picture, Peter and John are on trial. They're, they're literally in a court and they receive uh, kind of like a court order to not talk about Jesus anymore. 
they're told by the courts, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And I love their response in verse 19. Peter and John answered them, and they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And they continue to threaten them and punish, and, and, and tell them not to speak about Jesus, but they go out and they continue to speak about Jesus anyway. But that's the perspective that Peter and John have. If, if you think that, it's, that it would be better for me to listen to you rather than God, that's your business. But I know for a fact that I need to listen to God first, not listen to you. And so for the hypothetical situation for us, what if we were Peter and John? What if literally today you were taken to court and there was an actual court order that was given to you that told you, Drew, according to the courts and the authority of the United States of America, stop speaking about Jesus. No more. Quit. What would you do? Well, hopefully we would have the courage to stand up and continue to speak and say, listen, I've got to listen to God, not listen to you. Now, what about if there wasn't a court order that told you to stop speaking about Jesus? What would you do? Because right now there's not a court order in the United States of America that tells us we need to not speak about Jesus. Yet it's so easy to to fold under the pressure, under the small amount of pressure of, of you know, slander or, or peer pressure or this light, like what, G, like what TJ uh, brought up, the minor persecutions that we have to go through now. If we can't make it through those minor persecutions, how are we ever going to live up to like Peter and John and what they do here in Acts chapter four? Um, like, wow, we really, I think, need to learn to endure persecution a whole lot better. Um, because Jesus says, don't be surprised when it happens. It's going to happen if you're following him. And we need to be able to endure through that. Otherwise, we won't be acknowledged before the Father. And that's the thing that really, really matters at the end of the day. That's the bottom line right there. All right. Um, well, that's all That's all that I had. Do you have anything else that you want to say about that, Drew? No, yeah, I can't go any further than that. That was great, Jonathan. I want to thank you for... Uh closing out these beatitudes all right well um well that's through the the beatitudes that's those are the those are the characteristics those are the things that jesus calls at the beginning of his sermon on the mountain matthew chapter 5 of here's what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven here's what it means to be a christian living your life as uh, one who is poor in spirit, one who mourns for their sins, one who is meek, one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, one who's merciful, one who's pure in heart, one who makes peace and seeks to make peace. And then when persecution comes, who endures through that for righteousness sake. Those are those are the blessed characteristics. Um, and like I think Scott mentioned maybe a couple of weeks ago, we can't pick and choose one of these that we want like oh yeah i would really like to get the kingdom of heaven so i'll endure persecution and be poor in spirit but i'm not going to be merciful because i don't really care that much about receiving mercy that's not how it works all of these are important characteristics and traits that we need to cultivate and become better at in, in our own lives um that's what jesus expects us to do that's what the lord expects us to do and that's that's what we need to do to be citizens of his kingdom Jonathan, we don't have a topic for next week, so I want to invite the audience to uh, give us some thoughts, questions, comments. Go to BibleQuest.tv, uh, fill out the contact form there with any questions you may have that you'd like us to discuss. We'd be glad to talk about that in upcoming programs. So, Jonathan, I don't have anything else, Jonathan. Where are we at? 
Yeah, I think that's it. So thank you guys for your participation um, this afternoon. Thank you, Drew, for uh, getting on. And and hopefully next week, Scott will be back on. Uh, he's he's the wealth of wisdom and knowledge. <laughs> exactly. And we're just, we're just the, the peons. So uh, <laughs> but, but thank you all for your participation this afternoon. Um, that's all that we have. And like what Drew said, if you have any other uh, questions about any other Bible verses or topics uh, that you'd like us to discuss, you can submit those to us and we'll get to those in our future shows. But that's it for this week and we'll see you all next Tuesday, Lord willing.